Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. It's... Mm, let me try that again. Hello. Hello, it's me, Sean Keaveney, and this is another episode of Sean Keaveney's Creative Cul-de-Sac, the Lost Ideas Symposium, um, the um, the Notebook Explorer um, that is this particular podcast concept. Um, we've done, I don't know how many we've done now, we've done maybe nine of them. And we're about, we're shuddering towards the end of this this run now, and what you're about to hear is an incredible conversation I had with one of a good friend of mine, uh, but I was a fan before I was a friend. I don't know if that makes it weird. Joe Lysett, Renaissance man, comedian extraordinaire, writer, um, author, um, you know, um, consumer rights uh, champion. Um, general all round good guy just an amazing person really an inspiration um, so that's coming up and that's very exciting but um, I suppose this is technically slightly confessional This the front of this particular version of Sean Keem's creative cul-de-sac because when I first came up with this idea getting on for two years ago now, certainly 18 months ago you know, me sitting upstairs in my top room, going through my colossal collection of unused ideas, and then doing it with another person. I genuinely thought that I probably had like seven or eight decades worth of stupid ideas to play with, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think it was being massively hubristic. I don't think I've got anywhere near that. You may you may be witnessing a man's beginning to scrape the bottom of the barrel. It might be something to do with the bandwidth. I think I've I've just there's been a lot going on recently. I think in the world, in my life, in your life, you know what I mean. Um, might be something to do with it. Um, I probably say too much, and I'm probably too honest. That's you know, that's a problem that I've got. My breath stinks at the moment as well. You see, I do it. I can't help it. But you can't tell that. Um. If if you're if you're just here for Joe Lysett and you've not heard any of the other podcasts, which you completely understand, you're thinking, "What the fuck is this? When's Joe on? And what is this?" Um, as I say, the original idea was that this would be a modular podcast in three parts: the front bit, me going through my old ideas; the middle bit, me and the guest; the end bit, me going through some of the 
the listeners uh, lost hilarious, um, ridiculous ideas that they wrote down in a notebook or stuck on the iPad somewhere nine years ago. Um, that's what this is. And so to that end, I have had a little um, d- deep dive uh, onto my hard drive, actually, and found what I think to be some quite interesting material stuff that either very few people have heard or nobody's heard just my favorite sort of material for this podcast and i can barely remember even doing this but there's a file on my computer entitled travel and marketing award 2013 and if anybody was there that might be listening i doubt it very much actually that's a that's a very unlikely venn diagram but I do believe that I was the presenter of the Travel and Marketing Awards somewhere in Covent Garden, perhaps, in 2013. And uh, I've got a bit of material that I used that night that I think is quite good. So I'm going to deliver it. And uh, as I've done on subsequent podcasts, this is technically stand-up. I don't know, Ben, if you can be asked if you've got access to the sound effects library if you want to do what you've done before you know like put a bit of echo on my voice but a tiny little bit of smattering of not very enthusiastic laughter and applause in the background it might help so but this was the first this is part of the first sort of opening gambit of my intro to the travel and marketing awards nice to get to do the travel and marketing awards i love travel i'm a bastard for travel me recently Recently, I was looking for somewhere to take me and my wife for a city break. This is me and my first wife, by the way. So this dates it to about 10 years ago. We've had a hard time recently, you know, and I wanted to treat us. And I looked at the usual places you might take your, your spouse, you know, Amsterdam and Barcelona. But but then I considered Belfast. Well, you know, they've had the troubles and so on. <laughs> what I did notice when I was looking... Uh, was that Belfast Airport has been renamed the George Best International Airport. Yeah. And I know that he was a footballer, blessed with mercurial genius, but let's face facts, he was also uh, crippled with alcoholism. His life was deeply troubled. And I thought, it seems a strange choice to name your international airport after somebody so flawed. Until you realise it. An international airport is the only place in the world where it is completely normal and acceptable to have an export lager and a whiskey chaser at six o'clock in the morning. Bit, a bit of laughter there. Can't remember how that went down. I was 14 before I went abroad for the first time. That's true. 14? That pegs me as working class scum. I can hear the posh people in the audience saying, but daddy took me to Chamonix skiing at the age of three. You, know? you privileged bastards. I thought Chamonix was a condition that washerwomen contracted after polishing too many steps. <laughs> Not only did I have to wait till I was 14 to go abroad, I had to book a week off work from Dunk Pit to go as well. Class war. It's about time we had a class war, isn't it, in all seriousness. That last bit wasn't part of the routine, I just threw that in at the end. And uh, here, I do like this, I don't remember doing this at all, but... While I was at the Travel and Marketing Awards, I um, pitched them some ideas, some marketing ideas for different countries, like strap lines and stuff. So I'm going to Rolodex through some of those for you because I think they're quite good. Um, so these are the strap lines for these particular destinations that I'm proposing. Go to Antarctica while it still exists. Gran Canaria, 
the poor man's Caribbean. London, expensive shithole. Australia, the land of potential bar persons. New Zealand, asking to save fish and chips. Ayanapa, let someone else be sick on you for a change. Limassol, I like this one. Get limassoled. It's good, isn't it? Phuket, just Phuket. B-H-U-K-E-T, exclamation mark. Anyway, so that's... You can see, you know, we're in our fuel big time here, aren't we? It's bad news. But this, then I found this, and I'm thinking, hang on, there's something in this idea. This is a great documentary idea, and I'm going to read this out to you. This is a very short proposal page that I've put together for... um, a, a, a documentary radio has been a part of the fabric of our lives since the late 19th century in the interim period radio has flourished in every conceivable corner and cranny of world culture despite a myriad of techno- technically more impressive technologies intended for entertainment radio remains perhaps the most personal lovable and pervasive communication medium on the globe this is about a decade ago before podcasts re-entered the picture no thanks to the internet cute isn't it Radio stations are more ubiquitous than ever. And where there's ubiquity, there's ridiculity. NB, this is a made-up word that happens to scan better than ridiculous. It doesn't. And so this is the title of the documentary, Radio Gaga. Radio Gaga hopes to plumb the depths, soar the heights, skim the barrel, and trumpet the triumphs of the weirdest and most wonderful radio stations on the planet. I like this idea. I just like the idea of being sent round the world and being paid for it, and like chatting to people in radio stations, which is the idea, basically. The wonders of wavelength-related wackery are revealed to anyone with an available Google search bar. Check out 12-Step Radio, a station which plays songs about drinking and the havoc alcohol can play with people's lives. I think I did a bit of research, and this is true. With the emphasis on recovery songs to encourage people to stay sober. For the more antipodean-minded, there's a resonant thrill of the 24-hour Didgeridoo Fest radio station, Radio Didgeridoo. That's apparently real as well. The aim of the programme is much more than hollow mockery. Presented by radio obsessive and saved six music presenter Sean Keaveney, this show will hopefully be respectfully pitched. Look, I doubt it. Looking deep into the stories and motivations of those involved in the world's most unusual radio stations. That said, it's going to be hard not to find a few chuckles at Radio Titan, the hard trance radio station that claims to broadcast from the Saturnian moon of the same name. Apparently that's that's a real radio station. Probably not open anymore. I like that idea though, Radio Gaga, like going around the world, visiting the most extreme and outre radio stations and talking to them about it. Sort of thing, Louis Farouk's probably done it, or he's probably just about to do it, and he'd do it better. Talk myself out of another job there. Oh dear. Finally, I'm going to hit you up with, do you remember I told you that me and my mate Steve tried to be... TV sketch writers for a little while back in 2001 and I got one of them made on the Karen Dunbar show about a jazz singer who never sung this is out of the same pile and I think it's heavily influenced by a Bill Hicks sketch but let's not talk about that the sketch is called Driving on Acid two policemen sitting in their patrol car on a hard shoulder I'm not reading this out incidentally because I think it's for that, that funny desperation a car flashes past them at great speed they pursue it if 
Eventually, they catch up with the car and get it to pull over. Officer 1 steps out of the car purposely and strides up to the offending vehicle. We see a man inside the car. He looks hassled and impatient. He winds his window down and stares at the approaching policeman. Yes, can I help you? I'm in quite a hurry. We've just clocked you doing 113 miles per hour. That's my best patronising policeman voice. Not that I've, any of them have ever sounded like that. I've been pulled over a few times. Anyway, the man says, Indeed, I was. Yeah, and there's a very good reason why I'm in such a hurry. And what might that be, sir? I've just taken a huge amount of acid and I'd very much like to get home before it kicks in. Now, if you'll excuse me, Officer Zippy, I should better be off before it starts to take effect. And we see the officer then from the man's perspective. It is a Zippy in a policeman's uniform, complete with Bobby's helmet, waving him off saying goodbye. A final shot sees the officer looking on aghast as the man waves at him with a beatific smile on his face as he pulls away. It's sort of, there's something in that, I think. And a little bit of that made me chuckle. But not enough, I don't think. So there you go. I mean, luckily, um, the person that you're about to hear from, Joe Lyser, is a man who is a completer. He is a man who has made such a roaring success of the comedic oeuvre that it makes me just proud, actually. Not even sick to know him because um, he, he uses his power in such fantastic ways. So... What you're about to hear this wonderful conversation with Joe will wash away the terrible taste of that particularly ropey sketch from 2002 about a man driving on acid. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the creative cul-de-sac dipping in to the incredible mind, the seven-eighths of the iceberg, the unused ideas of Mr. Joe Lyson. Joe Harry Lysett, born 5th of July 1988, is a British comedian, television presenter. He has appeared on TV shows including Live at the Apollo, Taskmaster, Nevermind the Buzzcocks, Out at Ten Cats, QIs, The Announcer on Saturday, BBC One Show, Epic Win. The no- this is off Wikipedia, this. Forget that. We know all about that. I've written instead a very quick um, but uh, celebratory poem. Vivacious, joyous, wondrous and scabrous, hilarious, multifarious and totally fabulous. If he sold plates, I'd buy a set. It's our friend and yours. It's Joe Lysette. Scab... Russ. Scabrous. S-C-A-B-R-O-U-S. Define scabrous. Rough. Sorry. Rough and covered with or as if with scabs. Example, his face was scabrous and lumpy. No, 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 no. Look at number two. Okay. Indecent salacious. detail included being regularly right. seen with a scabrous mistress. Detail. Okay, I'll have that one. Thank yes. you, matey. That's it. Regularly that's exactly seen with a mistress. The, that's exactly what came up Woo! on my phone as well. Lovely. What a start. <laughs> oh, it's good. Thanks for being on the cul-de-sac, me old chew. It's lovely to talk it's to you. It's lovely to talk to you as well. Are you well? Are you in, in high spirits? As high as Sean's spirits can get. Not really. I've got to be honest with you. My mental health's been up and down like a bride's nighty. You know, it's been, oh. But then everybody's has, hasn't it? With all the things that are going on, it's terribly difficult. Yeah, to keep, it certainly you know. is. And I've noticed uh, my libido is as close to zero as it's ever been. 
And I've noticed quite a few of my friends are the same. And I think there's this sort of sense of, why bother? Like, what? Is there any point in doing anything? <laughs> and, 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 and as you ask, you, I'm sitting here for the interests of the listener. We can see each other, Joe and mm. I, because we're on one of these like posh yeah, things yeah. where we can see each other like a FaceTime type deal. But I'm looking out of my top floor window and um, I can see Dollis Hill in all its splendor, in a, in a sort of bathed in a golden mm. late, mid to late afternoon light. And, I've, and it's been like one of the first warm, properly warm days. Very nice. And look, I've come in my shorts, but I, I've not, I've barely been out in it. So I'm desperate. You know, really, I'm like a caged animal. What are you? Are you like a? You a man of the great outdoors, Joe? Would you say this has got nothing to do with the the podcast? This well, is just one warming thing up. I could say about your room behind you is, it, would it kill you to put a picture up? <laughs> no, they, well, that's why. I, no, no wonder your mental health badge. You're in a, a basically a complete isolation from any colour. Yes, it is. Or any inspiration. It's a shithole. Oh, you've got one. You've got one picture. What's it's this? A shithole. My wife is desperate. She's like, look, Sean. I, I one of the reasons I married you and I love you is because you're a creative guy and I love the fact that you're musical and you've got mm. 14 guitars and you've got an electric drum kit. Drum kit, but you barely use the amp and pedals and you barely use the electric drum kit. And it's just, th- this yeah. room is like a sort of shit music shop. Like you say, with no pictures mm. really, just lots of piles of admin. But there is this picture. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, so it's a sort of sullen man sat on a chair thinking to himself, and next to him is a dog thinking to the dog's self. And the dog's thinking, at least the dog loves me. And the dog's thinking, uh, the man's thinking, at least the dog think- loves me. And the dog's thinking, wanker. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I bought. I actually bought that in John Lewis. Um, but it made wow, me laugh. Wow, that's quite. That's quite risque for John Lewis, isn't it? Wanker. I thought it was a little bit never knowingly undersoiled. Um, look, this is a this is an expo of lost ideas. I mean, we you're a very pr- productive and proactive person. You put out loads of great stuff, but we wonder what 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 that seven eighths of the creative iceberg. What is there, John? When you have a when you have an idea, what do you do? Do you reach for a notebook like Hemingway, or do you jot it on your phone? Do you scribe it in Sanskrit on papyrus? What do you do? So I go I go onto this phone, and I used to be on Evernote, and I still have my Evernote because I've had that for years. But I found it to be um, clumsy and and uh, n- not always brilliant. So Evernote's like a kind of online note taking app. Now I use Google Docs, and I just have a Google Doc in my phone called, oh, I've lost it now, Ideas Tour 2022. Now, uh, that actually has been the same document for four years, because I've been working on this tour for about four years. So Have you really? So it's actually every idea. It's not even just a stand-up ideas. It's just like, I'll put in there like, sidebar idea for a painting. It'll be that sort of thing. And then <laughs> yeah, I'll just, yeah. when I'm feeling like I haven't got stuff, like, for example painting idea here you know um uh lads will say oh he's got a, a dick like a baby's arm you know when they're saying like yeah. oh he's got a big th- thick knob yeah uh i've got an idea of a painting which is someone who's got arms like a baby's dick And <laughs> 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 i need to do it actually i think that's quite a funny idea so it's just like rather than a dick like a baby's arm just these little tiny Penis oh, arms. So please do that. Do that tonight. 
Oh, look at him. He's got arms like a baby's dick. Yeah, yeah. So it's just slightly just getting it wrong. Tiny right. little like T Rex. Yeah. What well, do you do a lot of that? Because I know that obviously your paintings are, are well renowned. You know, there's so many different um, sort of funny ideas that you can render in. In I mean, do you use oils? What, what's your no, preferred medium? No, I find medium? oils really difficult. Actually, um, you have to be. You have to really know what you're doing with oils and watercolors. I use acrylics. Um, and I've started using these new acrylics that are called acrylic gouache. I think they're, I've got them. I've got one here. They're, yeah, acrylic gouache. And they go down a bit more flat and matte. And they, because okay. normal acrylic, you put it down and then it's, it's quite thick. And it takes a yeah. bit of time for it to sort of dry. And if you put another colour on top of it, it will inevitably mix with the colour. Okay. Whereas this, it, that will happen a bit, but a lot less. So you can work yeah. a lot quicker. And I'm impatient as a creative, so I, I find them to be re- much more to my taste. Um, so I only really use those. And I paint just sort of... I, 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 it's really um, my escapism, I suppose, and my happy, quiet time. And I love painting, and I love um, colour and sort of gauche colour. I'm not someone to sort of go subtle. I like... Yeah. loads of stuff it's very expressive and it's it, uh, we we had jim moyer on this program oh yeah weeks back and, and I, I see in my mind's eye you, you 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 occupy a similar space actually because you are comedians that paint but mm. you don't seem to just dabble in paint you seem to take it i don't say quite seriously i'm sure you do it with a light touch and you a lot of it's comedic but but you do you do seem to take it seriously as a as an art as an art form yeah, yeah, de- definitely do. I don't. I mean, I don't take anything particularly seriously because it's all nonsense, isn't it? And yeah. so I don't. I, I'm not someone who kind of um, dwells on perfection and wants to get things absolutely right. Uh, I do it for the joy of it, and and try and do most of the things in my life for that for that purpose. Otherwise, it sort of seems a bit pointless to me. I I, I, I often wonder about this sort of thing of legacy of like. You know, I must leave an extraordinary work for the people after me to remember me as this extraordinary. But most of the time, creating like an extraordinary work like that is just horrible and like really arduous and makes you sad and cross and all that. Makes you Whereas an actually, asshole to be around, and it makes well, you un- horrible to be around and just yeah. Whereas I just imagine think, what Michelangelo would have been like. Oh, you know, hanging out with terrible. Mike, oh, take a day off, Mike. <laughs> have a pint. Sit down. Yeah. It's finished. Yeah, exactly. Standing underneath the the scaffolding with two with double fisting pints. Like yeah, that. I've got you one. Yeah, the cock the cock's a bit small. Fine, <laughs> nobody minds. Get down the pub, Mike. Um, speaking of cocks, this was sent to me by an artist called Oliver Kane, and he makes bananas uh, in like ceramic. It's just sat on my. Isn't that weird? And it's got you can put it on the wall, like you can sort of stick it on the wall like that. And so, is that a cast of a banana? I hope so. Yeah, what? it looks banana at the end. That, I mean, if, yeah. if that's the end of your knob, then <laughs> sort of. You're wandering into a medical emergency, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see that. You could. What you could do, you could... Here's an idea. Yeah. You could do plaster casts, like they used to do, the the, the GTRs used to do this in the 60s, uh, Frank Zappa's Mothers of Invention, all that, that, that some of the ladies would do plaster casts of rock stars' penises. Wow. Um, sometimes erect, sometimes not. But I thought you could do that. You could reinvent that idea, and you could turn the penis 
uh, and that you could have the balls, mm. but you could have them wall mounted mm. uh, and have the penis pointing upwards, and then you could use them as coat hooks. That's a lovely idea. Would you put yourself up for the first coat hook? And and follow up question: What kind of coat do you think yours could take? Are we talking? Is it a li- is it a light jacket, or are we talking like you know a, a big fur number? Because I've got a lot a wet, of heavy coats. A wet duffel coat, I think. <laughs> would, would, I'd have no problem holding that up. <laughs> oh, stop. So what have we blundered into now? Yeah, yeah. It's me. You're about to hear an advert. Now, if you want to listen to the podcast ad-free and my Friday radio show, all you've got to do is sign up to the Patreon if you fancy, not if you don't. Uh, but if you do, the link is in the episode notes. Carry on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So what else do what you... I mean, I can't, first of all, I can't wait to see the tour, which is now imminent, isn't it? It's started. I'm on it. Has it begun? It's begun. I've done two w- weeks now, but I'm only doing two or three shows a week. So I've done Plymouth and Bournemouth, and they were both lovely. Um, and then I've got Edinburgh starts uh, Edinburgh this weekend. Okay, right. So the, I, the, I'm I'm going. What it, by hell or high water? I'm going to be there because I fell down a jaw lice at Hull mm. um, earlier today. Uh, in the in, you know in the sort of under the guise of, of research and just end up spending about two and a half hours just watching your stand up which is just always all those things are said joyous and hilarious and but also there's a there's a real undertow of caring about shit mm. which I really love but but what other things I mean just I just love going back to people's notes and saying what else have you jotted down I'm imagining that you are the kind of person who sometimes I mean you've you've written books are there book ideas. Uh, sitcoms you know motivational quotes what kind of things do you jot down uh i would love to write a book uh i'm I'm actually working on a book at the minute um so i wrote a book years ago 
uh, five, six years ago, maybe more, um, which was a sort of collection of some sort of email correspondence over the years. And I really enjoyed that process and I felt very honoured to have a published book out. But there were parts of the process that I found um, difficult. And um, as someone who really likes visual arts, I really struggled with the um, the, the kind of... the, the It's not corner cutting it's like it's just efficiency of being published by a big publisher they they you know they use uh cheap stuff essentially you know they make it out of the cheapest paper and the, or, yeah. or maybe not the cheapest but you know it's not high quality stuff it's done to a, a kind of spec that they can do lots of copies of and I totally get that but it like it didn't scratch the itch that I was expecting it to do which is I really wanted to make something really beautiful because I used to do graphic design um uh, a lot I used to do I did posters for lots of comics and uh, made websites for people and I, I loved all of that and I love a font and I love uh, digital artwork and um, so I've always wanted to like make a really lovely book and so I just realized actually it was a, and it was a sort of lockdown thing of like well I'm just gonna have to do it then aren't I I'm not gonna it's so I'm sort of doing it from the um the, the Sean approach of like just doing it myself and and yeah. the people will come. So I'm making a book which is a, a, a book of photography of bins, which I've been doing for years, oh. taking photos of bins because I love bins. And it's uh, it's going to be a thousand copies and each copy will be quite expensive to produce, probably in the region of £50 per copy because it's going to have multiple paper types, multiple... Um, like foiling the the cover's going to look like a bin bag using different foil types black foil that's going to be layered over each wow it. um and like i've got these sample like i love inside my studio where i am now i like fill it with stuff to inspire me and whatever and there's this company called foil co that make all these foils that you can press into things and whatever and look at this sexy foil this is black Gorgeous. holographic Ooh, oh. and it looks bin baggy but like a gay bin bag and I'm going to use a bit of that and a bit of standard black foiling. And I, oh, I just love it. So, um, so yeah, it will be like a thousand copies, very exclusive, all signed and numbered, and uh, all about bins. And so, what a high concept that it's is! It's so uh, silly, very, isn't it? It's so lovely that the, the sort of uh, something very expensive, very coffee table, very. You would be thinking Bauhaus, or you would be thinking, or maybe a Roxy Music coffee table book, mm. but that kind of level of detail, but about bins. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. It's really fun. And what? Are the, what, what kind of? So, will there be actually photographs? Of, yeah, of bit beautiful photographs of like wheelie bins and different kinds of bins. Yeah, I can't show you, but I've got a wall of bins in front of me, and I've out of hundreds maybe thousands of pictures of bins i've selected my favorite 80 bins because <laughs> there's only space for well i think there's maybe 84 or something i've forgotten the exact number um and yeah there's just tons uh, in fact i could probably show one on my phone to you to give you an idea of the gist i think they're very nice photographs myself but you know i would say that wouldn't i wouldn't i say that um hang on i'll show you one of my f absolute favorites because there's some of the bins around um borough market have got like coffee cup holder slots so they look like they've got a like they're smiling at you look how fun that bin is oh that's nice he's Isn't got like nice two bin? eyes coffee col coffee cup eyes and then a big slot for a mouth so he's one of my that's favorites cute. uh and then it's like just you know it's all very wanky and arty but they're all just bins just 
that's one in Starbucks, which has Bin written on it, just in case you don't know what it is. Have you? Has you got a title for it yet? Bins. Bins. Good. I'm glad you said that. I yeah. thought he was going to be a bit high, you know, clever about it, but I like bins. Does what no, it says it's on the bin. Bins. It's just bins. But that's that's an idea that's happening, right? That's a thing yes. that, you, that yes. you've brought to You're fruition. Right. What about an idea that you've got that you've not that you've noted down that hasn't gone anywhere, but you think, oh, maybe there's something in that. Mm, tons, God, there's tons. That so I would love to do like a sitcomy scripted thing, and I started writing one, but it's so hard. It's really. I'm just looking through the notes, and there's another painting idea. And I don't. Slog. I can sort of picture slog. this, but I wrote must have written this down when I was in the middle of the night. A knife that can cut itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think what it, it, the idea is that it's the, the blade sort of curves around and is cutting through itself. I think that's the idea. I just wanted oh. to sort of see what it looks like. I'm going to see if I can draw it now. To kind of... It reminds me of a sort of... What are those um, drawings that... Uh, a bit like the Escher staircase or something like that, whatever it's called. I can just imagine that. A knife turning around on itself and slicing mm. itself. I mean, it's quite hard to draw, really. I mean, this is not great paper to do it on. It just, it's a mess, isn't it? That is an absolute mess. It would take me a while to work that out. But I like the idea of a knife being able to cut itself. But that's very much the sort of thought you have at 3am in the morning. <laughs> Speaking of which, my favourite all-time midnight or uh, sleeping thought is yeah. my old flatmate, Ben is a brilliant ideas man constantly coming up with amazing ideas that i often find absolutely hysterical and um he came up with in the middle of the night he woke up and he was like oh my god i've come up with it this is the best idea i've ever had and he jotted it down in this notepad he's got next to his bed and fell back to sleep really happily couldn't wait to wake up the next morning to get working on this extraordinary idea that he'd had opened his notepad in the morning and all it said was narrow elvis <laughs> narrow, narrow Elvis. <laughs> what he has the, no idea. He has that? no idea what narrow Elvis means. Isn't it a shame when that happens? Though? <laughs> it's was like, like that. This is it. He thought that that was going to be enough. That kernel of the idea would immediately reawaken his mind into the this brilliant thought that he'd had, and it's like narrowboat Elvis. I don't mm, know. Mm. Narrow, narrow Elvis. He That's still doesn't so know anything. Um, anything about it and doesn't have a, doesn't I mean, have a clue what about i mean because we what one of the things that you mentioned uh, the the book which was um and the and the ideas that you that, that you've carried through throughout your career a lot so far which is that sort of in, in the fight for the everyman you know um like joe lice it's got your back you know like a sort of sexy watchdog that idea of punching up of uh, speaking truth to power and stuff what do you remember when the first time you had that idea, or the first letter that you wrote that you that you knocked out to, and to who it was, and and what set that whole process going for you? Yeah, that it was um, Birmingham City Council actually, because they'd given me it was a parking fine one, and they'd given oh. me a parking fine on uh, the Christmas Eve, and I'd just parked in the city centre, guessed it was Christmas Eve, and thus Christmas Eve is surely a you know you're not paying for parking on Christmas Eve, are you? didn't even look and um and they fined me for that so i sent a very um what's the word sarcastic letter of, of disapproval and fury 
to Birmingham City Council, um, which sort of garnered a few retweets, essentially. I remember, um, I think it might have ended up in the Birmingham Mail, but um, uh, I remember Jenny Eclair liked it or retweeted it, and I remember being like, oh, that's cool, because I love Jenny Eclair. And so, um, you know, I noticed that, you know, it was doing a bit of business on Twitter. And so, and I found it really fun to write and very easy to write, just being kind of um, righteous and angry towards bureaucracy. And so um, just started doing more of it, really. And then it kind of became quite an integral part of my my stand-up and my work for a long time. It's and it sort of still is a little thing. bit. Um, Am I right in saying that, uh, because I've not yet come to see it, but we've talked a little bit about it before, unless it's changed since, but it's the, the current stand-up, it's not a spoiler, is it, to say that it's a bit meta. It's a little bit about it's something to do with raising the raising your house price in a slightly Darren Brownie way. Yes, but then with hilarious and possibly emotional consequences. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. The, the, essentially, the show is about getting my house price up in Birmingham. Um, but I obviously, as you say, I go to sort of slightly unusual um, places with it. And then it ended up by accident sort of becoming this extraordinary story, which um, uh, has sort of changed my life, I suppose. And it's become this like fascinating uh, exploration into um, people and my local community. And yeah, it was, but it's really fun. Like it's a, 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 the the key thing with any stand-up show for me is it has to be funny. It doesn't matter whether you're telling a, you know, just a few jokes or a few comic stories or whether you're telling a sort of longer form story like I am in this one, it needs to justify itself by being funny. So it is, it's, I think a funny show, but um, I'm very proud of it, but it's sort of, it's sort of evolved naturally from uh, that, that work. Um, That's, it's really lovely. I can't wait. Um, I mean, do you find, because the way you present your, your stuff, it is just so, there's so much, joy and silliness in it it's gorgeous and and but there's a lot of or, or, or certainly in the past there's been a lot like we've just been touching on of, of interaction with other people sometimes with the bureaucratic bureaucratic agencies sometimes with real people mm. do you we only see the fun side do you do do you see the sort of darker side of social media as well sometimes or do you are you happily kind of separate from that a little bit or does it affect you ever no i see it all the time as people i mean these days twitter is constantly pretty much people um and, and i was very lucky with it for a long time i didn't i i was in the early days people were just nice to me and then occasionally you get a few people which you always will saying oh you're not funny or you're shit or whatever and that's fine but it became a lot more um a lot more the other way and i i sort of Twitter particularly, I sort of steer clear of slightly um, because you just don't know how things are going to be responded to now. Um, And, you know, if you're not having... I'm totally one of these people who just thinks if you've got an opinion, you want to drop it out, fine, by all means. You know, um, free speech and all that. But um, I... uh, I don't have to put myself in in that situation to read it yeah. when I've just woken up or when I you know no. so I'm, I'm I'm I try to preserve my um uh my mind a little bit more than I used to I suppose yeah. but yeah definitely get um a lot more than I used to um uh but I suppose that might just be a natural part of like being a bit more in the public eye I suppose I suppose it's a little bit of that and most of the time I don't 
care. You know, I'm, I, I find it kind of funny when um, people sort of say, or oh, the, the classic is like, you know, if somebody does says something like comedian Joe Lysett and then someone will reply to that going like, oh, I think you need to go to trading standards about the definition of the word comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that it's that sort of, um, I thought comedians meant to be funny. All, all yeah. of those things. It's like, I, I found that very funny when people used to say that about other comics and I find it pretty funny when they do it about me because it's sort of, just because you don't find something funny doesn't, it, it's, it's sort, yeah. sort of irrelevant really. Um, exactly. Uh, but it, it it's sort of it's so predictable, um, yeah. so no, I don't really let it like affect me particularly, and I'm, I, I set set uh, uh, boundaries for how much I'm exposed to of that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, you've got to protect yourself a bit, haven't you? I do, yeah. Um, but um, but generally, I find it it's like fine, you know. Yeah. I I I am very fortunate. I essentially have spent most of my life just making stuff if I find it funny showing it to other people and often they find it funny and repeating that and that's like amazing what a ridiculous fortunate lovely life to have had and if it all falls to shit now the first 33 years are pretty good I'd say actually in in that regard I don't predict that in the near future um so let's go back to your your notes just whatever screed Stream of consciousness, idiocy, weirdness. I don't care what it is. I just want to hear. I want to climb inside your mind, Joe, and find out what's going on in there. Mm. Uh, right, let's have a little look. I've gone all the way back to the very start to see. Um, oh, here's an idea that um, I'd love to action, but I don't quite know. And I looked into the legalities of it. Mm. Have you been to the Tate Modern recently? Yeah. Not recently. There's like a viewing gallery that's they opened in the last few years. I'd probably say five years ago, which um, it's very nice. It's sort of on one of the higher floors of the Tate, but it overlooks these flats that have gone up. I think more recently. No, no. I think the flats were there, and then they, the Tate opened a viewing gallery, and you can basically it's a public gallery, and the Tate Nodden's so busy and there's people on there the whole time so essentially your flat is just being looked into by everyone at the tate all day and they're big glass flats as well so it's like you either have to kind of live in darkness or just accept that you're essentially in a goldfish bowl and i know that the residents sort of kicked off a little bit about it and the tate just sort of basically went "Mm, sars bye you know and didn't really don't care and i was thinking like if i was a resident how would i solve this problem and i realized that you have to do something in the flat that makes them close the gal- the, the viewing gallery essentially and so i i basically thought i would hire gay porn stars to just come and make a film every day in my flat yeah. until yeah. they until they stopped the viewing gallery being open essentially <laughs> Uh, so I looked into the legalities of that and whether that was possible and apparently it's not because if you are doing something if you're naked or doing something obscene in even if it's on your property if it can be viewed from a public place Christ you are still breaking indecency laws so if you like you know if you decide to sort of smash one out of the window and somebody can see it from down (laughs) downstairs then you're still breaking the law. You're the one sure. breaking the law. I just yeah. love that idea of that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Have some of that. Yeah. 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 Enjoy your cake, mate. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy your cake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of Here's some art for you. There. Here's some art for you. Mm. I'll have naked ones in the National Gallery. Have some of that. Yeah. Um, I, this, but I love the fact that you checked on the legals as well because that's the thing I, I was I think was quite inspiring about you. A lot of us, you take it to that next sort of level. Can, could I actually do this? Could I action this? I like the idea of what you do. I like the if if I had one of those flats, probably what I would do, and I had like a floor to ceiling window, mm. is I would um, make an enormous frame like a picture frame and put it around my floor to ceiling window. Oh. And without the sex bit, I would just keep my blinds open at all times and I would say, hey guys, you know, my life is a canvas. Yeah, um, really nice. Check me out. I, I'm art as well. A bit like so Darren you know, Brown people. did when he suspended himself in that Perspex box over the, wasn't it? A, oh yeah. Um, was it, was it, it, was it him? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was the other Darren one. Blaine, Brown. wasn't Sorry, it? David it was Blaine. Blaine. David Blaine. Sorry. That's yeah. right. You're right. It's the same kind of thing. Okay. What I can't remember about that, which is surprising to me because I was obsessed with it. That I was just starting in radio at that time. And I think, I think David gave me a lot of material around that time. Cause you, know, was, you could take the piss quite hard. Couldn't mm, you? Yeah. Cause he was quite a risible character as well as impressive. Yeah. But, did he? What did he, did he used to do? Did he used to shit in carrier bags and stuff like that. I can't remember how he dealt with all that. I yeah, I don't know what. I think he didn't do loads. I don't think he ate very much. That's so. I don't think he was shitting, but pissing he must have done somewhere. Do you know what? I'm going to have a little look. David Blaine, Box, London. Excretion. Forty-four days. He must have done a few pisses and at he least a, at least a shit or two in that time. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, do you know like, what he was like? He had a he had a um, like a blanket over him and stuff. So oh, I reckon okay. he was fine. He was probably knocking one out every so often as well, wasn't he? He experienced you know, blurred vision, that. hallucinations, and a roller coaster of emotion. It's from uh, the Independent. Um, <laughs> oh. But, it, but you're right, it's that kind of thing. It's your life as art, is what we're saying. And and that's that's what the springboard was, the idea of gay porn. Yeah. Uh, forcing the closure of the Tate Modern's viewing platform, Stroke Outdoor Space. Yeah. Which is a brilliant idea. Because I find Shame a lot of those, it. like... I mean, the Tate Modern's good fun, isn't it? And they've got some good stuff in there. But I find, like, the people around the art world, and I imagine... I mean, I've not met that many, but... I can just guess what the sort of people that run the Tate Modern are like. And mm. I imagine there's a lot of turtlenecks and actually yeah. a, a, a not that much. Um, re- I imagine they live in somewhere like Surrey and they yeah. don't laugh at comedy shows. They say, oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's they're that right. Sort, they're, they're that sort <laughs> exactly. of person. They don't actually just laugh. I can see why that's hilarious. Mm, yes. We, we we could do something with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Twin set and pearls. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, well, do you sort of, are you on the edges of the art world sometimes though? Um, I know you've done stuff. Sort of, but like I have no desire to like be in a gallery and I just make, I I do, I make my art and then I make prints of it and I sell them directly to the people that want them and there's no middleman. I, I, I don't. I don't want a gallery. I don't want an exhibition necessarily. I did one with my mum, which I loved. Oh, and maybe I'd do what, something like that again. I think it would be quite interesting to do. I did have an idea to do an exhibition. There's a painting. Well, there's a few paintings I've done. Actually, if I tilt the screen up, you can see. Can you see that one there of Alan Sugar? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's like looking through a skylight. And actually, if you look behind these two, I did one of a cat. So that's a cat sit like lying on a skylight. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so you're and looking I, up from underneath. So it's as if you're underneath the skylight yeah. and he's like lying across like that. That's brilliant. And um, I think it'd be really fun to do an exhibition of things through skylights. So you kind of like, you like you, you, the ex, it's completely white walls or whatever, wherever the space is. And it's only when you look up, you can see the paintings because they're all That's in skylights. That's a good idea. But I've got to do, you've got to do quite a few of them, haven't you? But yeah, so there'll be a yeah. cat, Alan Sugar, maybe a man with dicks for arms. <laughs> trying you to could climb do one. Off, trying to climb off the roof with yeah. his little dick arms. Dick arms. <laughs> you could do one of the uh, uh, of, of the builders doing the extension opposite me. That would be a good one because mm. they're on the roof at the moment. Yeah. So you could have a couple of builders sort of looking down. Mm. That would be a nice one. Yeah. I like. Or you could do one of of, of um, my old flat, which had very big skylights, but just covered in shite and moss. Lovely. Yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That's really nice, it's just, yeah. It's just another great idea from the mind of Joe Lysa. I've got a bone to pick with you as well. Can you please, please stop picking on Shell? Because those poor shareholders have got mm. enough on the plate, Joe. Without, yeah. You know, they're wondering what to spend their $19.3 billion of profit on without being distracted by you Sorry, yeah. having a pop at them. No, you're absolutely right there. And I, 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 I apologise um, that... that I've I've been I've been I've been needlessly criti critical of them actually because they as you say their shareholders um, don't deserve that no and also they you know Ben Van Burden who runs it he he says you know he's he always thinks he's got he's got kids and whatever and he says oh you know believe believe me I worry about the future for my daughters and I want to you know have a have a nice future for them and then I imagine he thinks and that's why when I get my million multiple multi-million dollar bonus i don't worry about them as much anymore because I, I imagine they'll inherit some of that and uh and then when they you know buy russian oil at the start of a yeah. war with russia i think no they're just looking after us and making sure that yeah. we can keep going um yeah all, i mean they're, they're good eggs i'd say yeah. really good eggs it's all from a lovely place, isn't mm, it? Exactly, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I would trust them with all the altruism of the world. And actually, I don't think anyone needs to be doing anything good anymore because no. Shell's got it covered. They are being such, they're being such loves. Um, Joe, I don't know what to say, really. It's just always a good get any excuse to have a chat. Well, uh, I'd love to have a to... pint at some point, please, Sean. God, I'd love a pint. A we had a nice pint, cold didn't we? One. We had a lovely one last we did. summer, didn't we? Yeah, it's too long ago now, so it's we do fast, have to make yeah. that happen. We do, but I mean, I suppose now we have to work it out. When, so you, you, the tour is is on now. Tour's um, on now, yeah, um, and goes till September. And I mean, if you, it, it's, I mean, you're a busy man, Sean, but if you, you know, want to come along and have a make, because what what we do is we do like a kind of. Um, Normally we'll like arrive on the Friday, do the show on the Friday night, and then on the Saturday we'll do like some sort of activity in the local area. So in Bournemouth we like swam in the sea, and then oh. we went for a little walk, and then we went to Rick Stein's restaurant, um, and it was all delicious and it was brilliant. But the food came out slightly later than my tour manager 
hoped for because he was a very hungry boy. And he kept saying, they don't call him Quickstein. And I found, he must have done that a dozen times. And I found that so funny. <laughs> it's so <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, that it sort of went out the other side and I found it so funny. Um, and then we'll have a little nap and then we'll do the show again. And it's so nice to do it with, like, I'll normally have my tour manager, Harry, who's very funny, and whoever the support act is, who will also be funny because all my support acts are very funny. And then um, and then whoever, you know, any waifs and strays that want to come and join for a nice day somewhere, um, we would love to have you. So have a little look, see where you go. Oh, maybe you go, oh, I'd love to hang out in Ipswich. Come and hang out in Ipswich with, with Mummy and... All of the mummy's friends. I might do that because I've only been to Ipswich once in 1997 and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'd like to go back 25 years later. I might mm. tap up my friend Paul who lives near Ipswich and we'll come. On, we'll, we'll hitch our wagons onto the lice at Fun Trail. There you go. You could do Sheffield. You could do Glasgow. Stockton. Newcastle. Uh, speaking of Newcastle, if anyone's listening to this and they live in the Newcastle area or within... 300 miles of Newcastle. The Newcastle Arena sales are so worrying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's the date on the Newcastle? Uh, What's the date? Hang on, let me find it. It's in September. Uh, oh, it's right, the 21st of, of September. Okay, listeners. It's a Wednesday. You know I what? get it's a school night. I get it's a school night. But the sales are diabolical. And The Keevney Massive, the people who love me, um, the, we have very various hotspots like uh, Bristol, like um, like Brighton, like Glasgow. Newcastle is one of them. Mm. So I imagine that you will notice a serious upswing once this goes out. Mm, I think and, so. And you, can I well, can I, I just so, say because we're I'm just looking mm. at the sales and we're very much under a thousand and it's a ten thousand <laughs> capacity venue. So, <laughs> well, listen, you know, in advance, you're welcome because yeah, once this you. goes out going to go through the roof um and we can't wait for bins out. it's a great worry i'm just looking at the sales it's not <laughs> i mean i'm hemorrhaging money you see that's the sort of thing you could probably knowing you and your meta mind you could probably do a side stand-up tour which is basically all about selling tickets for your newcastle arena gig yeah you know i can imagine you coming up with a good 40 minutes on that yeah it's a I'll bit it's a bit it's a I mean, I know this current show is about getting my house price up, so I suppose I was about to say it's a bit kind of um, self-indulgent, but literally everything I do is very self-indulgent, <laughs> so I don't know why I'm... It's so fucking so funny. It's so brilliant. And it's uh, we can't wait. More, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? Well, you've got to go and find him, and you've got to go and watch this show because it's going to change your life like it changed his. But what a wonderful experience to go, to just have a quick riffle through the piffle with you, uh, with you, Joe, and and your your notes of pleasure. We'll do it again sometime. Mm, I'd love to. Uh, this, thank yeah. you. It, that was you know didn't even touch the touch the sides there, mate. Well, exactly. This is the great thing about it. It's it's a, you know it's like a skip that that never empties, isn't mm. it? Mm. That's the way I like to see That's it. That's really nice. Um, uh, Joe Lysett, um thank you for one million times for being on today's Sean Keaton's Creative Coldison. A great honour.
Lice it. Oh my god, what a man. What a man. How do you follow it? You shouldn't follow it. You shouldn't attempt to follow it. This is uh, bringing back awful PTSD memories of me having to go on uh, after Dylan Moran uh, and the comedy tent at Latchie Festival um, and deliver it. A desultory 10 minute set uh, to 6,000 people as they turned their back and walked away from me. The only people that were left in the audience, you might know this story, were ironically Clive and Ben, the people I'm now doing this podcast and Patreon with. So, look at that. It says a lot, though, doesn't it? About, um, you know, sort of dedication to the cause and loyalty and bad comedy. Anyway, thank you, Joe. You're amazing. Um, we do we like to finish the creative cul-de-sac with a couple of your uh, lost ideas and as I've said this before and I'll say it again it seems to me a lot of you just aren't taking this seriously enough um, but that said some of the things that you're sending me are quite funny Rachel Proud simply sent me an email uh, the title of which was Kebabacab and uh, by way of explanation underneath you might be there already she says it's a cab that comes to pick you up and it has a kebab rotisserie in the boot <laughs> I think that's a fucking good idea that if if I was arsehole in 1993 and I could get home and have a kebab at the same time oh yeah I would pay top dollar for that service kebab a cab Rachel you are onto something my dear and we have to leave the final word to um, a man who's become quite prolific over the last couple of weeks, Alan Greening. I think he's gone a bit rogue, to be honest. I don't know if he's on on the roof of John Lewis with some underpants on his head and a pair of pencils up his nose or something, but he's, he's, he's started sending out so many ridiculous ideas for satirical takes on um, television shows past and present that but he's, he's got a very high strike rate of ridiculous ideas. Like this, the AA team. A band of four ex-military mechanics drive around in a van helping out broken down motorists who've been wronged. To emphasis the AA bit, they're all scousers. Hey, hey. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, okay. Okay. And what's this? He's also sent, this is an idea, but perhaps this is a children's book. I don't know. The very hungry human centipede out there. Vile Euro horror meets the beloved children's book. Story time for the kids will never be the same again. See what I mean? Not make, not really taking it seriously. Um, if you do, if you do have any ideas that are just sitting in a notebook, sitting on a laptop, sitting on your iPhone, uh, a lyric, um, you know, uh, a sitcom idea. Uh, an invention, send them in Sean's creative cul de sac at gmail.com. And if not, just make some shit up.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.